May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie <laughs> dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount Plus. different look here on a Monday morning. Tyler's out. No baby yet. This is not an emergency. He just had some other things to do this morning. Uh, I am Sean Fitz, of course. You're coming to on the Lions 24-7 YouTube channel. Please subscribe if you haven't done that yet. Coming at you a little bit different here. Uh, big recruiting weekend this weekend for Penn State. Just had a ton of guys on the sidelines. Um, so usually on our Monday podcast, we recap the game a little bit. We talk some recruiting. This one, we're going to focus all on recruiting. And to do that, we're going to bring in one of your favorite guests, one of my favorite guests, uh, Brian Dome from 24-7 Sports. This is the first time we've been video with each other. Brian, Oof. welcome to the podcast. Uh, I'm sorry to put your face out here, um, but this is, this is kind of what we do now. So welcome to the podcast. A little bit different format, but uh, it's always great to have you. Yeah, two things. First, I thought you were going to sing with that microphone, so I'm disappointed. And second, look, I know Lions 247 is doing great and the community is awesome. The last thing they need to be doing is looking at my face right now. I cannot argue that whatsoever, so, uh, but it's still good to have you. We, we, we like the banter. Now it's good to put some faces with the uh, with the voices, um, but uh, no, it's always great to have Brian. Brian, of course, uh, national recruiting analyst with 24-7 Sports. He was big on our board this weekend. Steve Wilfong, big on our board this weekend. Alan True, as always, the team uh, at 24-7 unmatched um, with recruiting coverage, especially with big recruiting weekends, and this was a huge one for the Nitt Nittany Lions. Whiteout, as always, uh, draws some of the best of the best from the region. Um, we had a list last week that went over 50 scholarship guys that were uh, uncommitted, which is just I don't know how to put that in context for people because it's just ridiculous to have um, many of your main targets, especially in that 2023 class on hand uh, Four official visitors. They're wrapping up this morning. Amari Evans went home yesterday, but uh, Jay Sean Barham's wrapping up this morning. Larry uh, Gooden Turner. Um, the defensive back from California and uh, Penn State commit Jordan Allen, who did not take his official visit this summer, came for the weekend for, for an official. So we'll get more updates from them. I know Dome plans on um, speaking with uh, Jay Sean Barham's uh, camp on uh, Tuesday. So we'll get an update on him as soon as we can. Not always the easiest thing to do, um, but for an official visit weekend, uh, this is uh, this certainly is an atmosphere that uh, can turn some heads. Yeah, you know, I, I look at it and I know some folks asked on Lions 247 when I was doing a chat late last week about, well, how does James Franklin do it and, and you know, meet with all the recruits and make it feel good, especially for an official visit weekend. And A, he's paid to do it. So that's why he does it. He's been doing it for a long time. So, you know, it's not just him. They actually have people that plan this stuff out and, and the recruiting team behind the scenes of guys that and gals that you never hear of do a great job in helping. And then what really helped is you look at like, you know, Jayshon Barham, the kid out of St. Francis, Baltimore, and, and I'll be at their practice on Tuesday. He left Monday morning, which, you know, I don't want to downplay Villanova, but I'm not thinking that it's the same kind of um, concerns playing Auburn as it was Villanova. And Sundays are always kind of like the recovery day and, and some time for coaches to spend with kids anyway. Um, so I, I think, you know, that is easy to do. From talking to Boy, I've talked to dozens of kids and texted and DM'd with them. James Franklin and, and you know, the staff, the, the on-field coaching staff, you know, the guys that you always read about and hear about and visit schools, 
they did a phenomenal job of making sure all these kids felt welcome, that they had some kind of contact with them and some kind of conversations. And then, you know, you could tell which ones are, are more prioritized in, in recruiting on how much time they spend with with each kid, even, even before a game. And so I think stuff like that, um, you, you look at to, to kind of, I know Fitz, you always do your list of the big board and everything, but that gives you an early indication of what 23 could look like. Yeah, you look at those handshakes at, at midfield and James Franklin has, you know, not not everybody gets to go out there. They're going to host 150 kids. But at the same time, you know, you're going to take a third of that or a quarter of that to get out to midfield to, you know, get that picture with James Franklin. Everybody loves that picture with James Franklin where you get out there, you get a, a couple of seconds with him, you get the bro hug and then you go back to uh, your respective line. Lamont Payne made, made the most. I, was of gonna say, I, bet, I bet Lamont Payne had, had a little bit more time than most others. Yeah, it was a bigger hug than most committed to James Franklin there at the 50 um I, that's a first i you know i, I have to i mean they, they, to me it's just a spectacle of it um no, I, I know that they had done stuff at spring games but the whiteout listen i guarantee you right now fits there'll be one or two next year that do that at the whiteout that's going to become a thing hey i know you're committed like in mid-august but let's wait till the whiteout to announce it so you can do the hug at midfield it's great for Penn State. I mean, you you set that precedent could yeah. because you've got these these different times when when guys want to commit. You set the precedent that now all of a sudden before the whiteout game is a time to commit. No, that makes it makes it easier for the next guy to do it. It makes it easier for Penn State to uh, to coordinate that. We knew it was coming. You had quotes from Lamont Payne um, first with him as a player, a six foot six foot one corner that can can turn and run. Penn State had him in camp, was really, really high on him after camp, and is a guy that uh, they had enough film on, and, and that's a, a key element here in the 2023 class. They had, they thought they had enough film on this guy to take him this early. Um, what is Penn State getting in Lamont Payne? This is a guy that you and I have talked about so many times uh, just over the phone because he provides something a, a little bit special, a little bit different from Western Pennsylvania. Yeah, and, and I think you hit it when you and I spoke about him last week, I think. He's a Penn State kid, um, you know, and, and you just know talking to him, well-thought kid, smart, education is important. I mean, listen, you, you better be a really good player to be a Penn State kid, too, so that goes without saying. But, you know, really strong family. And so I think when you start there, um, it makes all the sense for Penn State. He, he wanted to play close to home. He wanted to play on, on the biggest stage that close to home allowed him to do. And he's a kid that I saw twice um, during, you know, in the spring summer period, which was great to, you know, get out and see kids because we've spoken forever about not being able to do that. And he's exactly what you say, Fitz. He, he's long. He can turn. You lose hips. He can drive on the ball in front of him. You know, I, I look at him as a physical kid. He's a corner. I think he could probably cover the slot, um, maybe a safety type. You know, the 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 one thing I know, you know, once in a while they they look at rankings and want to know why kids aren't ranked higher. And I think one of the things with Lamont is, you know, you just want to see the track times, which are the ones that you really get, um, you know, whether it's the 100 meters or the 55 meters, just a, a, a little faster there. But listen, man, he's a sophomore, so he's got plenty of time for that. I think when – and then Penn State worked him out, obviously, at the camp. And you can talk all you want about the film aspect of things. But as I look around the country and, and talk to kids and, and do some digging with some coaches, one of the things that's really leading to some early commitments or, or 
kids that maybe haven't had a lot of run and all of a sudden wind up committing to a power five school or a big power five school is they work out in front of the coaches. And I think that's something that was really missed in the 21 class. You'll see it a little bit more in the 22 class, but it allows guys like Lamont Payne to really climb up a board quickly when they do well in that camp setting. And, you, and you've got guys who, you know, for, for example, Antonio Tripp, the offensive lineman from McDonough, didn't play at all as a sophomore. So, you you know, you know he loves Penn State. We have him ranked as a four-star in 24-7 sports, but you, you just can't make that leap yet on some of these guys. But Lamont Payne showed enough, especially, uh, you know, at camp, uh, really showed out. And that was one of the guys, I mean, that was the camp, I believe, that Abdul Carter um, really made his dent on, on what Penn State thought of him and moved up the board with his workout. So um, a, a quality camp, no doubt. And they, they did that. It's, it's interesting because Lamont Payne in Western Pennsylvania, and I know that's been an up and down region, uh, you know, especially <laughs> the state over the last couple of years or the last couple of or, or the last few days too. Well, the last few days, last few hours before the game, Tyrese Fearbury. How about that? Uh, I mean, that was funny. I was Sean Brown from, from the Rutgers site sent me that tweet before the game. And I, of course I was out in, in the lots. I had barely any service and I just opened it up and I just laughed. I mean, I, I feel, I feel <laughs> bad because this is a situation where you know there's not a ton of guidance in that recruitment but Fearbury was a guy that Penn State expected to get on campus this weekend with his trainer who was you know has brought him up several times I believe Pitt had him at the game on Saturday turns around and commits to Kentucky so that's his second commitment I don't know that it's going to be his last uh, unfortunately I hate saying that but uh, that's been the type of recruitment but he's a pri- I mean he's a priority target for Penn State in 2022 so that's let's talk about him Tyrese Fearbury a new Kentucky commit so how do you, I mean I, I can't I can't say how you see this one playing out because I don't know how the next couple of days will play out with Fearbury, but that's been an right. interesting case. Listen, he's and and it's funny because people get all up in arms about when kids change their mind and stuff. And, you know, I get it because they're, they're faced with a lot of pressure. And so you have Kentucky who, you know, wants to make him the centerpiece of the class. They can tell, you know, hey, you're the next Josh Allen. And, you know, it's kind of like. You know, every linebacker at Penn State's the next Micah Parsons, every edge is the next next Jason Jason. Awe. I mean, so, you know, we can go down the list. So every school does it. Um, And there was the comfort level. He did make an official visit there. And they really sold him on the idea of, hey, you can play early. And you'll develop as a player on the field, whereas maybe some other programs, (coughs) Penn State, um, you may – have to sit for a little while and wait your turn. And, you know, for some kids, they want to get on. I mean, every kid wants to get on the field early, but there's a little less understanding of, hey, how it can benefit you sitting behind someone. And, and there's benefits and, and pitfalls on both sides. Play early, you learn a lot of lessons, but maybe you're not physically ready and can hurt confidence. Sit for a while, you learn from somebody in front of you and you learn the right way to do it. But on the flip side, you don't get that experience that, you know, doesn't matter. You know, you hear it all the time. Well, he's a fifth year senior, but it's his first year playing. So he doesn't have experience. So you you get all that. But I think the thing with Tyrese is, A, he's a really good kid and he's a smart kid. So, you know, I went out, I spent some time with him out in Pittsburgh in July. He He is a smart kid who, you know, just really needs some more, I guess, guidance in terms right. of, hey, every every school is really going to pitch hard to you. And, and we'll see. I was texting with somebody out in Pittsburgh yesterday who's close to him. And I said, what do you think? And they said, well, we'll see. I mean, it could stick or it could be something where he, he keeps looking other places. I, I also think it's going to be very hard for him not to visit Pittsburgh again. He, he's He's been to Pittsburgh a lot. And if I'm looking at his school right now, 
that's still the one I'm looking at. I mean, Penn State will have a chance for him. I would not be surprised if he's on campus again. But, uh, you know, he's he's been to Pittsburgh a lot. Yeah, and uh, part of that Evolve group, he's been up a few times. Uh, Lamont Payne, part of that couple, uh, you know, other big names in Pittsburgh, Tamir Robinson. This is a, a visitor that was in this weekend. I think we talk about Tamir every time that, that, that we got on, get on this podcast together. Got a chance to get him back on campus this weekend. Penn State, high on that list. Ohio State, uh, Notre Dame, maybe some Michigan as well. But another big-time priority from Western Pennsylvania, just back again for, for, for another uh, visit. Yeah, and and he told me afterward that he's you know gonna visit again a few more times, and I'm sure Fitch, you like everybody else, read his update on lines two four seven, um, and you know I, I think it's hard not to make a great impression at a whiteout. It's even harder when you win, right? And it's an exciting game, and you finish strong. And then on top of that, you look at the way the linebackers played in that game, and I, I went back and I I mean you were there, Fitz, so you know, but. Watching on TV and then going back and looking at the stats, you know, Brandon Smith, Ellis Brooks, and Jesse Lakita were the top three tacklers. Um, and so, you know, when you're looking at the activity of the linebacker group and how they move around, that that's something you really see. And, and if you're comparing body types, again, body types, not saying he's the next body type. He's, you know, very similar to Brandon Smith. And so, you know, he can watch Brandon Smith run around and be like, hey, you know, I, I can do that too. And Look, they're doing a great job with him. I think Ohio State, where you know he's visiting the week before, I think that's a you know formidable foe in recruiting for Penn State. And you know we always talk about how does Penn State take that next step in recruiting, and and it's winning battles like that. Um, and then you know Notre Dame or is it Michigan also involved? But listen, Penn State's going to be in it to the end with time here, and I think there's going to be some ebbs and flows with it. But right now, I think Penn State's in a good spot with him. That linebacker group that visited over the weekend, obviously Penn State fans uh, love their linebackers, but uh, Phil Pisciotti <laughs> from Eastern Pennsylvania, Robinson was there. Tony Rojas, a guy that we haven't talked much about from Fairfax was up. Uh, he came he came this summer, so he's been up a couple times. Josiah Trotter from Philly, Grant Tucker, a great looking kid uh, from North Carolina. So that linebacker room, very interesting to start because this is a, a group in, in the last cycle, there weren't many clear cut options there. Um, but it seems like in 2023, the, the, the pool is a little bit wider. We put in crystal ball picks. I, I know at least I did, I forget if you did or not, but Phil Pisciotti, um, from Eastern PA, it's just a guy that the, the logic points to Penn state, Pennsylvania kid went to Penridge, Nick Tarburton's had a lot of success there. Um, so there's, there's a lot going his way. He, he was on campus this weekend, supposed to be on campus in a couple of weeks for Indiana, just a lot pointing to Penn state right now. Yeah, and I think um, I have not joined that bandwagon yet. Um, you know how I am with those fits. There's probably one more phone call I need to make before we, uh, you know, before I join you on that. But it's exactly what you said. You, you have Tamir Robinson, who they'll wait for, and you know, there's some talk that maybe Tamir grows into an edge. At, right now, I think he'll he'll stay at linebacker. Um, you know, Phil Pisciotti. Is that how you say it? Because you know, in Jersey here, it's it. it you know, I, I want to go with the the hard C on it but you know him grant tucker i talked to him monday morning he said right now it's more safety db type with him but josiah trotter and you know rojas you mentioned and you can see this is why kids start jumping in early especially in-state kids because those slots fill up you're you know penn state's not taking five linebackers in 23 or at least i don't think they're going to take five linebackers and so you want to make sure that you know, you you have that spot, and it's the same in the secondary. You know, you have Lamont Payne in there now, and how many are you going to take? So things like this kind of 
speed things up a little bit. And especially when you have all those kids on campus and it's like, well, wait, all these kids were there. Don't they know they're competing with each other? And, you know, there, there's something to that. But the flip side is, is they get a look at these other kids and they're like, oh, man, if I want to join, I want to join me. I better get in quickly or uh, they may fill up. So I think that's stuff that you always look at. Yeah. And uh, examples of that, we just mentioned two guys. I mean, Nick Tarburton and Jesse Lukita uh, committed, I think, a couple of days apart as that they were in-state guys and the linebacker was starting to fill up. And all of a sudden, now both of them are defensive end for the most part. Lukita's back and forth. But um, yeah, they that that's a, certainly dominoes you could see falling eventually. And nobody's in a hurry here in 2023. They've got two commitments. So we're getting way ahead of ourselves. But you make a good point. You make a good point with Pisciotti. You also kind of feel that way about Joey Schlaffer from Exeter, an in-state kid been to Penn State two weeks in a row he's got some connections to the program Penn State offered him last weekend uh, when he was up for the Ball State game that's the one where you and I were both on the crystal ball so my, my mistake on 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 putting crystal balls uh, no I'm not putting crystal balls anywhere um, but uh, my mistake for putting that one on you uh, just uh, Joey Schlaffer a guy that uh, really fits what Penn State has done at tight end of course the tight ends were fantastic on Saturday night probably going to be two of those in the class in the next cycle uh, you kind of put Nicholas Harbor who we'll talk about in a second on his own island if he wants to be a tight end or whatever the hell he wants to be he can be um, but Schlaffer makes a lot of sense for Penn State yeah I mean listen you if you're Penn State you do not offer him thinking he's going anywhere else. You offer him because you think he's coming to Penn State. And, you know, you mentioned he was at the Ball State game, and that's when they offered, and they were out to see him the night before. And so you put it all together, and, and they're not bringing the kid up after watching him to offer him to to sit there and say, okay, take your time on this. And, and it's not like they're going to squeeze him, but, you know, Penn State is known, a lot like Notre Dame, Penn State is known for – what they can do when recruiting tight ends and how they would use them and how they can develop them. And so if I'm a tight end in an in-state kit and Penn State offers, they're probably going to go a little more quickly than in some of the other positions. And yeah, I mean, I, I saw I saw Joey at a camp in June, watched him move. He has good length, good ball skills, um, you know, continue to work on getting in and out of his breaks and and kind of getting off the line of scrimmage. But you can't teach that frame. And obviously they saw what they wanted to see during the live eval, which I think was a, a really big piece for them. And I know he's put in a lot of work, you know, you, you see what he does maybe on Friday nights or, or on the huddle or whatever on the video, but he's put in a lot of work in a lot of areas over the summer to uh, just be a better prospect. Bunch of defensive linemen on campus led by Jason Moore out of DeMatha. This is a guy that I know you've seen a couple of times. Uh, you spoke to him after uh, after his visit, and it seems like Penn State positioned themselves pretty well. Well, listen, if you're coming out of a whiteout and you're not feeling really good about the school, then good point. you might yeah. as well just write it off there, right? I mean, it, it is really hard to come out of that saying, eh, it's okay, not bad. You know, I've seen better. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, again, you, you, Actually, you know- I think the Auburn media contingent has done that uh, pretty much all week. So, I mean, that's uh, how we watch things up from up here. Yeah. I, I, I have not checked that, but I will, uh, I, I'll, I'm sure you will send me a few texts about it. But, you know, you look at Jason Moore and I, I saw him play earlier in the season big frame, former basketball kid who's now focused just on football. So you're really going to see his 
technique develop. And I think that's one of the things you look at with him is just getting you know better with his technique and, and move sets. But his frame is outstanding, right? I mean, he's long, he's athletic. His first two steps are outstanding. When I watched him play, he's getting double and triple teams and he did not get frustrated. He kept working through it. And then when I spoke to him after, he's like, hey, look, man, if they're double and triple in me, there's a lot of other guys to make tackles and, and they wound up making those tackles. Um, so I, I think he's he's a smart kid. Penn State has a good history at DeMatha. Now listen, Maryland's in the mix with this kid too. He was at a Maryland game earlier in the year. As of 2023, he has not made a ton of visits. He's a DeMatha kid. DeMatha kids usually do not make a ton of visits, right? It's usually a pretty small group of schools that they really concentrate on for each individual player. So I'm curious to see what develops with him in the next five to six months. But I think he's a kid that if he doesn't get back up to Penn State during the season, whatever that Saturday is that they're going to do the 2023s and make it a big day, whether they do it in December, which I think they're probably going to be hoping they're in the Big Ten title game. So it may be in January, but usually it's the one, you know, in January, right before signing day where all the 23s come up. And I think he will be a priority target for them to get on campus. Then. And I can see him doing it as well, because, again, he's he's not going to have a basketball schedule to kind of flush his way through. And you, you look at this list and you mentioned the, the, the potential junior days and things like that. A lot of these guys are just going to keep popping up on campus. I mean, uh, the the couple from Pensac and uh, Khalil Ali and uh, oh, man, I, I was Ijani. Ijani. Yeah, yeah they, those guys have been up a bunch. James Hurd has been up a bunch. Um, Neo Avery's been came up twice this summer from the quarterback from Good Counsel, who's going to play tight end at the next level. Mega Barnwell was committed. I mean, there, there's a lot of these guys in this list that you're just going to keep seeing pop up and pop up. And when we not not that we mock classes, or mock up classes or anything like that, it's just the repeat visitors typically end up in Penn State's class. And that's what that's what you're looking here. Um, one guy we mentioned on earlier that's been a repeat visitor that was up, I believe, for the, the Lash Bash as well, came back for a game. Um, his sister graduated from Penn State in 2014, Nicholas Harbor. This is the most interesting guy in the 2023 class to me. Um, not so much because I think he's, uh, you know, the, the, the best football player out there or anything like that, but 6'5", 225 with a 10-3, 100-meter dash. Um, <laughs> Put him wherever he wants to go, whatever school wants to get him, it, you know, just tell him, tell him wherever he wants, put him there. Um, but he, Penn State's going to have to fight Team USC track and field for this guy. <laughs> well, I mean, this, it's so ridiculous that you have a kid who's, you know, just at, late in his sophomore year is running a 10 one in the 100 meters. At and Usain Bolt's yeah. height. Yeah, yeah, I know. Right? Yeah, I mean, and, and his size, and it's just so ridiculous that, I mean, look, I'll be honest. I, I don't. I don't know why he would go play football. I mean, it's great to watch him play and everything, but you're talking about a kid who, as it continues to progress, you know, he could be a world class sprinter. You know, a kid. You know, you and I, Fitz, were talking earlier about Grant Tucker, and uh, one of us misspoke and called him Grant Holloway. And I think your response was, "Wasn't he just in the Olympics?" And and Grant Holloway was a kid. From Virginia, who covering his football recruitment, he's going to Florida. And I remember talking to him, I'm like, yeah, so, you know, Florida football. He goes, nah, I'm not going to play football. I'm just going to run track. And you see, you know, he's in the Olympics and people in the U.S. I, look, I'm not a big track and field guy, so I don't know how much they'll make in the U.S., but I do read enough to know that they can make a lot of money in Europe running track and field. And so for me, I get it. If, if he loves football, if Nicholas, 
Harvard loves football. He wants to play football, all, all the power to him. But whether he's a linebacker, a tight end, an edge, receiver, corner, whatever, kicker, whatever, um, let him play it. But I think when it comes down to it, boy, how do you, how do you not take the track route when you have the chance to be an Olympian? That's, yeah, that's what my concern is. There's there's nobody waiting at the finish line to knock your head off. That certainly can help him out in the long run. Um, or, or halfway through, like you're yeah. you're 40 meters in, and all of a sudden some dude drills you out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, but this kid is supremely entertaining. Just uh, yeah. as big of a freak as 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 I've covered. Um, you know, obviously saying that politely. Um, but yeah, I I agree with you. It's going to be tough to get him away from track because that that that's something that really can benefit you. And Holloway has been successful, so there's a precedent there. Holloway's from Virginia as well, so there's uh, a little bit of a local connection as well. Um, so what, what can Penn State expect out of this? Um, this is one that we went into the weekend. I wrote on Friday, um, not a lot of uh, immediate gratification here. I know people want commits every big weekend. It's just not how it works. Um, they got the commitment from Payne. Um, you're watching guys like Pisciotti, like Schlaffer. Um, you never know if something surprise can pop up or something like that. But where should the expectation be sit uh, be set in terms of how long this will benefit Penn State, and 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 when will they start seeing the the residuals from it? I guess by residuals, if you mean commitments, I mean yes. you know it, it could you know shoot man, I could finish this podcast and you know get a message that some kid's ready to go, but you know I, I think it's something where October maybe you start seeing some stuff. I I, I think what the what a thing like the whiteout does. And you got to remember now, these kids, especially the 23s, haven't been on campuses for this stuff because they they couldn't go before. So this is their first real big time exposure in many cases to college football or Penn State. So this is, you know, this is a heck of a start. This is a unbelievable moment that these kids will remember and it will remain etched in their mind. And when you know, when you got a, a receiver like Noah Taylor, who's a, I mean, uh, Noah Rogers out of out of Virginia, I mean, uh, North Carolina, I need more coffee. Um, you, you look at him and he gets up there and he's going to have a lot of opportunities to go different places and make a lot of visits. But for him to experience that atmosphere, which is not in his backyard and he had to travel to get to it. It's something that now he can go to a lot of other places and compare. And, and you're talking about a kid that's going to have a lot of options, you know, whether it's, you know, this is a kid who, you know, whether it's North Carolina, Georgia, Clemson, Oklahoma, Florida, there's going to be a lot of options and a lot of places for him to go visit and, and take on atmospheres. Nothing's going to rival Penn State um, just from everybody you talk to and what it's like. And on top of that, the coaches just did an outstanding job of being in contact with these kids before the game or after the game or, or what have you to really make them feel at home. So it, in many cases, I don't want to say it's a first step because the first step is, you know, you've already been recruiting them. So they, so you know them a little bit, but this is a, this is something that can swing the momentum in their direction because you leave with such a positive vibe. Like what, what happened 
that in even the most remote negative way from this game, nothing because the quarterback played great. You saw some good stuff from the running backs. Offensive line did its job receivers. I mean, Jahan Dotson, goodness, pretty soon it's going to be like, well, I could be the next Jahan Dotson. And then on the defensive side, the defensive line did well. The linebackers did well. You know what the secondary can do. Um, so you're, you're looking at all phases of it. It, it. it just makes a positive impact no matter what, what position you play as a high school kid. I'm glad you mentioned quarterback because this is something that you and I have talked about quite a bit. Um, Penn State's reputation uh, as a quarterback school, not great coming into this year. Um, we, we've talked about guys who just flat out won't consider Penn State because they see it as a, a running quarterback option or, yeah. or something like that. That seems to be changing. And that, <clears throat> excuse me. And that's um, that's a lot of that or all of that. Uh, Mike Yersich has done. Penn State had two of its or its top two 2023 quarterback targets on campus. 2024, Jaden Bradford was on campus from South Carolina as well. Um, so they, there's a lot of buzz right now for quarterbacks. And Sean Clifford goes out and plays a game like that. 28 of 32, 280 yards, two touchdowns. And sort of, I'm not going to say reverses the script on his career to date, um, but but did a lot to, I guess, maybe pump up the reputation that Mike Yersich has done some magic there. And that's uh, interesting. you got Dante Moore visiting. I'm sorry to cut you off. Dante yeah. Moore visiting. Jaden Rashada visiting. Um, so, I mean, there's there's a lot going Penn State's way from a quarterback standpoint. And that's what we've talked about for years is that that that's really been the part that's held them back with a, in terms of overall recruiting. Yeah. And it's funny, like with my job, I don't get a chance to sit and watch games every week. If it's a night game, it's better because, you know, on some Saturdays I'm out watching games. So I had, you know, I saw Penn State a little bit against Wisconsin. I, I saw him a little bit against Ball State, which really wasn't worth watching for me. Um, but so I, I was looking at the numbers and Sean Clifford ran the ball a few times um, in the first two games, it looked like. But again, you don't know the sacks that factor in, you know, because they go into rushing attempts in college. So I was really curious to see how he was going to be used, you know, against Auburn, how much they would run him and what they would do with him. And they really didn't run him much. It was not, you know, hey, it's third and two. Let's, you know, dive him through the middle, you know, some kind of read option or whatever. Just, you know, it wasn't him, you know, running the power game like you saw sometimes with quarterbacks in the past. And, and I thought that was really important. I also didn't feel like he got hit a ton. I mean, there were times that he was pressured, but but I, I thought the offensive line did a really good job of protecting him. And and you saw what you really want out of a, a college quarterback, to be honest, is is a kid who had mobility, who was able to throw and be accurate on the run, but also sit in the pocket, get through some progressions. And yeah, I, I think you can sit there and say, hey, you know, the, the offensive coordinator made a big deal, you know, made, made a big change and has really helped Sean Clifford out. And and I think there's some accuracy in that. But listen, there's a reason James Franklin made a change after last season. He wanted something different in an offensive coordinator in the way the offense was run. And to be honest, the way the quarterback position was played, you know, just from a philosophical standpoint. So as much as you want to give the credit to the OC, and, and he deserves it, his system and what he wants to run, James Franklin's the one that made the change, right? And so he's the one who said, okay, this is the guy I want. This is, you know, it's not like all of a sudden Penn State was in spring ball and James was like, oh, wow, look at the way he runs his offense. This is great. I never expected that. I mean, this is what he wanted. And, and he was the one, you know, the constant is him trying to figure out why they were having trouble 
you know, maybe getting the elite quarterback. And geez, you look at what they have in in the 22 class with Drew Alar now committed. And man, he, he just keeps rising and rising with his ability. And I know Fitz, you, you brought that up to me the other day when we were talking about how, you know, you saw some stuff different on film than maybe you'd seen before with quarterback recruiting. But boy, for me, yeah, it's big change. Sean Clifford looked great. Um, looked like really comfortable looked relaxed, which I think is a huge thing. And yeah, we can credit the OC, but I mean, listen, if they lose that game, everybody's blaming James Franklin. So you better give him credit for that hire. That's true. Well, I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of credit to go around. You got to credit Franklin, credit your such credit Clifford. you know, that's something that we, oh, I'll give, really I'll give Clifford a little yeah. credit. I mean, he, he, you know, he's probably throwing the ball a little bit, so I'll, I'll give him a little. <laughs> but does it, from an outsider perspective, just does it look more fun? Does it look more palatable? I guess is you got to get to palatable yeah. before you get to fun, and that and that's going to change some well, people's it, impressions pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, what it, what it is is instead of a quarterback going, oof, how long you think he's going to be in the ice bath for? You know, because he's running the ball so much. Instead, it's like okay, he's throwing it around, he's being protected. You know, short passes, they're taking some shots. There's there's a lot of different things that went into it, and if j- just sitting there watching it. It looked, from a passing concept-wise, it just looked more multiple than usual. It looked like um, Sean Clifford – I remember Sean Clifford at the opening out in Oregon. And I remember talking to him, and I'm like, yeah, this is what a quarterback is. He's relaxed. He's calm. He's, you know, competitive. He's confident. And watching him in that game – and I've seen – a fair amount of Penn State games over the years because you watch it because, A, you know so many kids on the roster, so you want your kids to do well. And, and B, you, you know, you want to be able to see it so when you're talking to recruits, you know what they're talking about. He just looked different in this game than I had seen him in other games. I, I think he looked relaxed and he, and he looked confident and he looked like he was enjoying it. Right. It wasn't like, oh, boy, here we go. I'm concert. Even when he was making throws under pressure, he just looked like he was having fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you, and you look back at some of his games in the past and, and confidence is on one hand, executions on the other. Sometimes you got one, you don't have the other, but they, they rarely come together. Even, even in that game against Maryland a couple of years ago when they won 59, nothing or something, he had a great stat line and you still was, there was a little bit lacking in, in, in the execution, um, even though Penn state just, just ran them over. Um, so to get that on the big stage, the biggest stage, I guess they're going to play on um, until they until they go to Ohio state, I would assume um, it, it, it's really, I think it's an, it's an interesting case study and how far that, that has come and how much that can really help them in the long run. Um, you know, of course, uh, you've got an opportunity, you've got a window here, you know, Ohio state does not look like we thought Ohio state would look and you've got an opportunity now all of a sudden your quarterback who was a liability for the most part, um, maybe can turn around and help, and help you win that game. And that's going to change, you know, that, that Ohio state game, we've talked about that so many times, especially in 2017, you had them on the ropes and, you know, you've had them a couple times, uh, just sort of staggering and haven't been able to finish the job. If you can finish the job, it's going to, you know, it's going to have, um, a reverberate, reverberating effect um, throughout recruiting. So I think that's a that's an interesting um, path that this could go down. And now Penn State's three and up. Who knows what's what's going to be like in a month? Um, but it, it we got Villanova. They're like just looking to go one and zero against Villanova. One and zero against Villanova. <laughs> but you know what? It's with, with the quarterback stuff. It's like you brought up, and, and I'm not going to get into the names of it. But you know, there's been kids and their parents who in the past few years when I've spoken to them about, Hey, you know, what do you think of this school and that school? And they'd be like, listen, Penn state has the degree. They have this, they have that, but I don't think it's in the quarterback's best interest to be running 15 times a game. And 
they pay attention to it and you can't say that now right yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and i i told you going into you know watching some games i mean listen i think the two games you look at with penn state or the ohio state game and the iowa game right i mean mm-hmm. i'm, I'm going to overlook villanova if that's okay but there's you know if you, yeah yeah i mean but you know if you're sitting there and looking and saying okay who's the best team in the big 10 right now Oh, you're going to have a hard time convincing me it's not Penn State. Yeah, yeah. And unfortunately for Penn State, those two big games on the road this year. Of course, they get Michigan, who looks pretty good right now, running the football. So, um, Yeah, but they yeah. beat – I mean, they beat Wisconsin on the road too. So, you know, you, you've now had a quarterback who's played in some good environments and has confidence, and, that, and that's what you need. And you need a relaxed, confident quarterback in those environments. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, it, it, it's moving – sort of a little bit on on that away from recruiting but back to that roster you know that roster pretty well so i'm, I'm going to walk you down memory lane here your thoughts on <laughs> Jahan dotson as a prospect and your thoughts on Jahan dotson now because i you and i were at that camp in jersey it was at the petty school the petty school um, in jersey and he was there and he was so much smoother than anyone out there i mean he looked like he was about 145 pounds at that point but so much smoother because um, now he's 150 <laughs> yeah exactly and now you got a chance to uh, to project him as a as a high level draft pick um yeah. walk me down memory lane what'd you think of Jahan dotson as a prospect um what'd you think of Jahan dotson as um you know a guy that that could grow into a number one and potential high high draft pick because it's been it, he was great in high school. Let's, let's get that out of the way. He was fantastic in high school, but there were questions about his testing numbers, questions about his frame and things like that. Um, I mean, just uh, where, what do you think when you see Jahan Dotson running around out there? Well, I, the first thing I think of is Penn state made a really good decision because for a while, oh, Penn state really wasn't, you know, there were times where you're like, I don't know. That, if Penn that, was, that was Penn State, him. Ohio State, and Michigan were his top three, and none of them decided they wanted him <laughs> and, at that point. So, and and they were, yeah. I don't want to say they didn't want him, but it was like let's keep evaluating. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. And listen, he, it, it was a really interesting high school career, right? I think he's a kid from North Jersey. I think he's from Orange yeah. or East Orange. Mm-hmm. I think he told me. Um, went to Nazareth. Yeah. Then he goes to Petty, which is a $50,000 year boarding school when they were trying to do kind of like an IMG thing. Um, then leaves there. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I've parked cars there. Um, but, you know, so I remember that camp and I remember going to watch him play. Um, I believe it was against St. Peter's Prep. And he was absolutely electric. And I, I think it was back in the the scout days but I, I remember cutting up his film and they couldn't tackle him and he was so good with short area quickness you know one of those phone you know one of the can't tackle him in a phone booth guy and I thought he was a really good prospect right I, I think all along he was a, he was a four-star kid when I watch him play at Penn State and I see some of the plays he makes like that ridiculous catch he made where it was like go-go gadget arms to catch that ball the other night i did not view him as being that crazy athletic i thought he was a kid who could catch the ball he would get open he got out of breaks he would be tough to bring down after the catch um watching some of the interviews with him over the last year or two and then seeing an interview with him after the game the other night i did not anticipate him being such it seems like he's a really good leader good good guy in the receiver 
room, it sounds like. He called and, out and the roster last year. Yeah, I mean, he, you're right. which is not, not right. something you expect to talk right. from him prior to his. Right. His and I think that shows, it shows me, it shows really two things. It's when these kids are 16 and 17 and being told how great they are. And sometimes they don't, I don't want to say keep your head. I mean, he, he was never, you know, getting in trouble and all that stuff. So I don't want to put it in that term, but he was a kid who, you know, you'd be like, okay, let's just make sure he's focused. And now to see what he's like is what is probably 20 years old or whatever he is now, 21 to see what he's like now. That's the kind of growth mentally and just as a person off the field you hope for. And then you combine it to where it just, he just looks more athletic. He's more comfortable. And, you know, I always wonder in games like this, like the world knows the ball is going to him and he can still find a way to get open. Like, you know, Auburn's defense, when you're talking about pass defense, they're like, okay, we got to know where number five is. We got to cover him. And he still finds ways to get open. He can get down the field. He's got great ball skills. He's not afraid to go over the middle, underneath. He'll he'll risk taking the hit to catch the ball. He's just he's a complete receiver. And, and it's it's kind of one of the fun things to watch develop. Like you know the kid. I think I started dealing with him when he was a sophomore in high school. And to see how far he's come as an individual, it's the kind of stuff that you really like in this job is, is it's not just a, he's just not a football player. He, he's a really, he, he's really done well as a human being. And, and so that's something I'm excited about for him. And Penn state, you know, essentially, I don't want to say got lucky because it's still at the end of the day, it's an evaluation. Right. For him coming back around, I think Chip Kelly kind of ignored him and he came back around, but going back to, I forgot was- about that. You, you, I forget, you know what? That, I forgot totally about that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, and, and, Oh goodness. And, yeah, that was um, that was an interesting uh, process there because, as you said, you didn't know that he was that athletic, but he had a 24 foot long jump, I believe. But he also ran like a four seven, and those things don't line up; they don't make no. any sense to be aside from no. right now. And which proves Penn State, or excuse me, not Penn State, but college coaches have a way of trying to uh, talk themselves out of anything. And this is a guy yes. that was phenomenal. Uh, the highlights and everything were phenomenal. As I mentioned, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State all did the same thing, kind of kept him at arm's length. Um, then he ended up going to UCLA. But uh, as that part of the evaluation, college coaches, man, they, 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 it's like they look for anything to tell them to go in the other direction because they always think the grass is greener. And this is a situation where it could have come back and really bit them. But, uh, you know, it, it happened to work out for Penn State. No, it's great. But that's what I mean. That's what NFL evaluation is, is it's mostly looking for reasons to check a guy off the list, not add him to the list. Right. And look, you can, you can say whatever you want about Penn state passing on him earlier or not. Listen, it's like you said, they came back to him and took him, And so you, you give them credit because it, it worked out for them. You know, at the end of the day, that what matters is when it came time to make a decision, they made the right one. And, and listen, he, he's thriving there. And as somebody who grew up on the East Coast and lived on the West Coast for a long time, there's no guarantees when you go out there. It is not an easy transition. And I did it. Well, I was adult age. I don't know if I'm ever an adult. But, you know, for him to do it as a kid, that, that's t- that's why when schools from the West Coast come, come East or, you know, 
kids from the East go West for school, it is a tough, tough transition knowing that your support staff is 3,000 miles away. So there's no guarantee that he would have had great success at UCLA, but it's hard to argue. I mean, Penn State just seems like the perfect fit. Yeah, yeah, really good, really good uh, reavow, and that's why the cycle is so long. You know, you've got a chance to to see a lot of things and and figure out if that's what you want. Um, the cycle has been good for Drew Aller, uh, Penn State's uh, quarterback commit. I, I'm not sure if you got a chance to to look at that yeah. tape um, or anything like that, but he can play a little bit. He's he's on another level right now. It's it's unbelievable. Another huge game from him over the weekend. I don't have the stats in front of me, but uh, you know he's 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 accounting for touchdowns. He's he's running the ball. He's he's more. I don't want to say he's more accurate, but his receivers are catching the ball, which is a good reflection <laughs> on him. Um, last year, completed around fifty percent of his passes. That number has gone up, I think, substantially. Um, so, from a national recruiting analyst perspective, what have you seen from Drew Aller, um, and what have you heard um, amongst your circle in terms of where where this kid, where we think this kid's ceiling may be? Yeah, I think it's one of those things where you're going to wait and see a little bit more as the tape comes out from his senior season. Um, but everybody's impressed. I mean, I don't, I don't know how you can, you know, I think my dog can watch that and be impressed and be like, oh, good throw. Um, and on which dog? But yeah. Well, the older one, the younger one's still learning. But anyway, um, you know, you look at his accuracy is there. He throws, I don't know, maybe they're catching it this year. So we'll call it a more catchable ball. But uh, again, it, it just seems like thing. It, it, I feel like there's 21 players on the field who are playing at a really fast pace. And then he's playing with everything slowed down. And it's like slow. He sees everything so well. He's confident even when he's going to, you know, move around or, or, or run with the ball. He's just more certain with it. And he, he just know. I feel like he knows not only where every receiver is going to be and every block is going to be made on every play, but he also knows what the defense is doing. And, and look, that's what you want. If you're, if you are trying to compete, for a spot in the college football playoff, you need a quarterback who can, you know, do things like that. And more and more, they're coming in and playing early. So if I'm Penn State, I'm, I'm pretty pleased about this. Get him in there in January and let's see where you are kind of in the fall. But when you watch his progression and, you know, look, Steve Wolfong was, was all over it and, and Alan True, even in the spring, they're like, yo, man, this kid is – this kid is something. He made huge strides, and he's just continued that. And I think, you know, for me, from the discussions we've had, I mean, he'll he'll continue to be talked about as moving up in the rankings. It's no guarantee because there's a lot of different opinions and a lot of different information that comes through it. But he's, to me right now, he's outperforming where he is rated. And let me say it for you, um, because, you know, this is something you don't want to turn around and say he's a, he's a potential five star or whatever. You want to take more time on a guy that you, you're you moving up potentially from uh, 60s or wherever he's at right now into yeah. 30s or potentially higher. You want to take your time. You want to see as much as possible because that jump, even though it might not be. Uh, you know, as, as big in, in number in terms of a guy going from 300 to 150, that jump is, is a substantial more, uh, I guess, uh, there's more meat on that jump for them. No, there is. And I mean, you're looking at when we do five stars, we're going to end with 32 because the idea is if you're a five star, you're going to be a first round draft pick. And so when you're doing stuff like that, you are beyond just the athleticism and the talent, especially at the quarterback position, making sure everything else is, you know, checked off the list too. you know, watching film, understanding concepts, coachability, 
drive, determination, all that stuff is really important. And so, yeah, I mean, listen, I, I talk to kids all the time. Me personally, when it comes to ranking, I'm conservative because I'd rather wait two months to raise a kid up than do something hastily and then have to drop him down. And when you explain it to the kids, they're good about that. And even when you explain it to the, the different communities, you know, on 247, they understand it, they get it. Um, sometimes, like you mentioned with the whiteout when, you know, what's the immediate gratification? Well, you know, the immediate gratification sometimes comes back and bites you. So there's nothing wrong with it taking your time. And, you know, I was texting with a kid, I think it was Friday, um, about his ranking. And I said, listen, he was 2023. I said, I get you want to be ranked higher. I said, the most important is where we have you when you sign that letter. Look at look at KJ Winston. This is a guy that we had rated, I believe, eight or nine months 86, ago. 85, 86, I think. I think. Yeah, yeah. Somewhere yeah. right around there. Yep. Yeah. He was not uh, not too pleased with that ranking. We said, I mean, we're not going to change you just based on arguing with us. Like that's not going to help your. But he went right. out had it, a very good spring season, and you know he's a four star now in twenty four seven sports. And KJ was awesome because look at I always give credit to these kids that will ask and want to be ranked higher because that's what makes them great, right? They want to be the best, and so he was understanding. I said, KJ, man, let me just look. You're at the math. I'm going to see you live. Saw him live twice, saw him play, and he was absolutely, you know, balled out when I saw him play. And and so there's nothing wrong with being patient. You know, we just have to remind people that sometimes. Yeah. Well, I mean, be be patient and accept it because KJ Winston didn't, or excuse me, did. I I, yeah. I totally butchered that. He did. <laughs> I'm glad guys, you fixed that though, because that would have been awesome. You'll have that conversation with, and they'll never talk to you again. So I mean, let's, uh, I, let's I've had that. Here. I am and dealing that, with that in the class too. So yes. <laughs> and as we've no, not not just this class, but look at uh, 2018. The, the, yeah, these yeah. guys that do stuff like that yeah. don't pan out at a high as high of a rate as some of those uh, you know some of those other guys. So that yeah. I think there's something to yeah. that, you know. No, I agree. I mean, listen, it's great to be ranked high, but at the end of the day. It doesn't get you on the field. It doesn't make you unblockable or more blockable. I mean, go do it. Go play. It, go play hard. As, yep. Use it as fuel. Hey, don't don't yeah. use it as whatever else you want to use it as. But listen, right, Vince, no, nobody cares that you did a great podcast after the game on Saturday. They're waiting for the next podcast. And, and it doesn't mean the next one's going to be great because you did a great one Saturday. I mean, we, we wrap that we wrap that podcast at about 345 on Saturday or on Sunday morning. That's like I, when you, you get up. I have no idea what I said on that podcast. So um, I'll just take your word for it that it was a great pod. I appreciate you listening, by the way. Hey, we're going to close here. Light, lightning round, Penn State's top targets in 2022, especially in your region. I uh, just want to get some quick thoughts. We talked about Jay Sean Barham earlier. Obviously, this is a guy that Penn State uh, was really liked for a long time since he was at DeMatha, uh, took his official visit. And he, there's only so much you can say without getting feedback from a, an official visit, other than I'm sure he's going to say it's great and everything like that. But from on the whole, where do you see Jay Sean Barham? recruitment is at least coming into the weekend yeah it was maryland penn state coming into the weekend i'd be a little concerned about florida if he does wind up visiting there but for getting on campus having his family there being in the whiteout seeing what the linebackers did whether he's a linebacker or edge whatever they'll recruit him as a linebacker for now anyway um i, I think you know, I'm curious to see him at practice on tuesday and, and really get some insight but i know that proximity is big with him Penn State is not too far. Maryland is not too far. It's between the two of them. And, you know, if I say Penn State today, it may be Maryland tomorrow. If I say Maryland, it may be Penn State. I think it's back and forth 
Yeah, and we thought we thought a lot of Maryland coming into it. So that's certainly not a, a situation where you can rule them right. out. Of course, mom, mom, very big in this one. Uh, moving on, one of the more interesting uh, subplots to the visitor list last week was Andre Green, the receiver from Virginia, mm. came up in July, visited, really liked it, put Penn State in his top five, um, wanted to wants to take an official visit to Penn State. Almost got that one worked out, but did not make it this weekend. Um, what are you hearing on Andre Green? I, I think Penn State's got some work to do there, and they're going to need an official to get any further on that one. Um, but Andre Green, receiver from Virginia, who's really, really good. Yeah, yeah, and the plan for me is to be with him at his school on, on Thursday, so we'll see. But, uh, yeah, he, he was thinking about it because they played in D.C. on Saturday afternoon, was thinking about flying up or even drive, driving up. Did not, which is probably the smart move because you, you want his full attention. He's talking about maybe an official visit in October. The one that lines up is the Indiana game because they play that Friday night. Spent some time on the phone with his dad um, last week when trying to figure out if he was going to visit or not to see what their thought process was. He really likes Penn State a lot. He, he likes what they've done with some of the receivers. Now, the flip side is, look, he's a Richmond kid who is high on UNC and he's high on Clemson. I think right now those are the two leaders, um, you know, pick a day, Clemson one day, North Carolina the other. I think that's how it works. But alongside of that, you get a kid up to Penn State. You never know what it could mean for them, especially if they start, hey, look, at here's how we're throwing the ball. This is what we're doing differently. Um, you know, show maybe what that Chris Godwin kid's doing a little bit in the NFL. So you do stuff like that. But I, I think they have work to do. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, staying at receiver, you've got Rutgers roots. Lance, our producer, has got Rutgers. I'm just surrounded by Rutgers on this Penn State podcast. It's ridiculous. Do you feel smarter? Um, I feel something. Um, but uh, Omari <laughs> Evans, the receiver from yeah. Texas, who doesn't really make – his offer list doesn't really make a ton of sense. He's a 4-3 kid. He came up to Penn State, tested off the charts. Rutgers has felt good about him for a while. Penn State's still in there. I think Virginia's still in there. He's a kid actually from Ohio. Um, yeah. So he, he's, he's got some connections up north. But uh, what do you think about Amari Evans as a prospect? What do you think about him uh, you know, coming into his visit as we haven't caught up with him yet? Yeah, and I think when you look, he's run some four threes at some places, but you know, straight line speed's different than getting out of breaks and catching the ball. You know, your ball skills. Um, it's always, I don't want to say concerning, but it always makes you dig a little deeper when a kid has that kind of speed in Texas, and and a lot of the Texas schools aren't on him much. Now, the flip side of that is, like you mentioned, he's an Ohio kid who has told people that he really likes the Big Ten. There was a time where it looked like he was close to committing the Rutgers. That still may happen, but it went on for and, – and he made a couple unofficial visits up there where you're paying for yourself to get up there, um, including going to their opener against Temple. Now, the flip side is if he was set and all ready to commit to Rutgers, why is he making the Penn State official? Mm -hmm. And so looking at it, I, I think – if Penn State pushes hard, they are right in there. And and you talk about the momentum of a whiteout and a visit and, and how quickly you could see something. He had talked about maybe doing something later this week as far as an announcement. We'll see where that stands. Um, I'm supposed to get in touch with him either Monday or Tuesday to talk a little bit more about his visit to see where things stand. But for me, if Penn State wants him and really pushes hard, I think Penn State would probably be in the best spot. There's a reason I never put in a crystal ball pick. Like I said, if it's been for so long where you heard Rutgers was the leader, Rutgers was the leader, and I know his family, you know, especially his mom, really likes Rutgers, then why wasn't a decision made? So that, that's something that I'm really looking at with him. 
Yep, those uh, those subplots always pop up, especially this yeah. time of year. Um, you, we mentioned linebacker, still a spot that Penn State would like to get another guy. Uh, wide receiver, of course, uh, it seems like they're on him. Darius Clemens is out there as well. Um, but offensive line is probably one of the more interesting ones. Emil Wagner from Ohio was in this weekend. Andre Roy was not, but Andre Roy seems like he, at least the last time we spoke to him, was planning on, on announcing in late September. So I think that's an interesting one. We've always thought that Andre Roy more likely to end up in Penn State's class than Wagner, but Wagner got on campus, was impressed by things this weekend. Um, of course, got the Kentucky uh, connection there with his brother being hired as a GA. Yes. Um, so offensive line still still an interesting I think there's still moving parts right there, especially with Roy, um, you know, coming out and, and actually having a season this year, getting some film on tape. And you're, you're going to be able to further evaluate both of these guys. Yeah. And again, I'll, I'll see Roy again on, on Tuesday, hopefully at practice. He was supposed to announce Wednesday from everything I've heard. That's still where it's going to go. Uh, he visited Maryland for I believe it was the opener against West Virginia. I've always felt that. Penn State was there, was was the place that he would wind up. He fits what Phil Troutwine, the offensive line coach, wants in an offensive lineman. He likes the development of the offensive line there. He likes the community. He likes the degree. I mean, he likes a lot of stuff about Maryland, too. But every time I spoke to people about Andre Roy, it was, I think he winds up at Penn State, looks, you know, lean in Penn State. Now, we'll see what happens in the next 48 hours because things can change as decisions get close. But I, I'm, I'm curious. I would have liked to have seen him show up for the whiteout, especially they played Friday night and, and beat good counsel. Um, I, I would have liked for him to, to go up to the whiteout and, and do that. But again, sometimes these kids are just visited out, too, and just want to sit back and relax. That's something we often forget is there's always something or there's sometimes other things on the schedule. And and while going to these games is great, you know, sometimes family wins out, sometimes other things went out and, and it's not, you know, it's not cheap. And that's a, that's another thing. And I was talking to some other people about this. You can't get a hotel room here on a football weekend. So right. for a night game, right. you're, you're, you're going to get home at 3 a.m., 4 a.m. That's if you live in state college with the traffic, right? That's true. Yeah. <laughs> but but I will say this, and, and sometimes people forget this stuff, and, and I do all the time. I remember a Nye White, who's our number one edge guy, which bear with me, Penn State folks. It's a it's an interesting story. He puts out a top list and he goes, Okay, call me. And I call him and he goes, All right, I gotta call you back. He was at work and he was supposed to go on a break when he told me to call him, and the manager said, Hey, I need you to keep working. And you kind of forget that these kids actually have other lives where they go work and stuff like that. And so for me, I think that's stuff you always keep in mind. Andre Roy, they won 50 to 7, a Friday night game. Sometimes it's nice to just relax on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. That sounds nice. I took a nap on Saturday afternoon myself. I know you can't believe that. Um, but uh, actually, hey, I was in town for this one at least. So this is a big visit. <laughs> Joan, uh, we always appreciate the conversation. I, I love seeing your smiling face here on the YouTube channel. Um, thank oh, you. Thank you for doing that. Uh, but we really appreciate your time here. Um, it's, all, it's always a pleasure. We can't, can't wait to have you on again. Hey, man. Thank you, guys. I always, always enjoy it. And that's Brian Doan of 24-7 Sports. Brian, thanks for uh, thanks for coming on with it. it was, it's always awesome. Um, our phone conversations are um special ones i'll say that and uh it's it's always great to just uh, cut it up with brian he's he's a little bit more forthcoming those of you that were on our site uh, last week when he did the chat it's a little bit different than when i do a chat because i give longer answers he gives you 
Jersey straight answers and uh, does a really good job of that. So we're, we're appreciative uh, of having him on our board. So that's going to do it for us. Um, remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel at Lions 24 seven. We'll be back later this week. We've got some, some scheduling things to work around, but I uh, feel like this is a good way to start the week talking all recruiting. Thank you for joining us on the Lions 24 seven podcast for Tyler Donahue. Who's not here. I'm Sean Fitz. Um, we'll see you later this week. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.